Hello and welcome from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. This podcast you're about to hear was recorded at our Kublup campus. So sit back, relax, and enjoy what God has to say to you. special guest speaker today, Sarah D'Souza, is uh, going to come and share with us this morning. It's such a blessing to have us, have her. For those of you who don't know, Sarah's been part of our Saturday night congregation for the last 12 months and also started helping out in kids' church on uh, Sunday mornings. Sarah and I went through Vos Seminary together and we've been so thrilled to have her become more and more part of our fellowship uh, since leaving her last pastoral ministry position. So, uh, we're so blessed to have you, Sarah. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me here. Thank you. Thank you. Shall we pray? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, oh, thank you for your presence here amongst us today, Lord. Lord, we desire to know you, Lord, to know your love. And not only in an intellectual way, Lord, so we submit and humble ourselves before you, Lord. And ask you to fill us afresh with your spirit, Lord. Move in our hearts, Lord Jesus. Help us to grow in the knowledge of who you are. And to grow in our expression of love for you and for others. Lord, give me the grace to speak. Set me aside, Lord. And open our minds, our hearts, and our souls to your truth. Speak to us, Lord, we pray. In the name of Jesus. Amen. I believe that COVID-19 highlighted many things that have been happening in the world. Some good, others not so good. And the the thing that struck me the most is the lack of love. We don't need to look far to find examples of it. We watch on the news. We see in the reality shows. And even amongst people we know. In my Facebook, for instance, I see discussions going out of hand, especially from people from Brazil and US, discussing issues from politics to the use of masks in public places. And it's often not a positive discussion. It's a disrespectful and unloving one, to the point of becoming enemies, which in Facebook language is by removing each other from their friendship lists. And although we know that genuine love is constantly tested in this world. It seems that Paul's words in 2 Timothy 3 are becoming closer to our reality, where people are being lovers of themselves, lovers of money, of power, of an ideal, or anything else, rather than expressing genuine love. In Paul's words, people will become lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God. And this worldly love is often described by a feeling, a feeling of self-love, which means that anything or anyone that generates us a good feeling, when a personal, physical, or emotional need is satisfied, that thing or that person becomes what we love, or the reason we love for. And the danger here is that this worldly self-love It's becoming a normality. And not only in the world, but it seems to find its way to the church and in the lives of many of us. And when that happens, the church, instead of caring, unifying, and bringing God and his love to its community, 
it rather expressed apathy, disunity, and hypocrisy. It breaks my heart to hear so many stories. I myself, I was hurt in the church in the past. And although God in his love and his mercy, he has been healing me, the natural tendency for us is to build a wall around us to prevent us from getting hurt again. But again, we must be aware that this wall will hinder us to experience and express genuine love. Well, then we may ask, how can we avoid all of this from happening to us, individually and as a church? How can we discern what genuine love is from this self-love? What is genuine love? And how does it look like when genuine love is put into action? Today, we will continue with the series Knowing God under the topic Love, covered in 1 John. The letter 1 John, as we have been seeing in the past few weeks with Pastor Peter, was written to a church community of believers that experienced some kind of division within due to false teachings. And it was written not only to warn against those false teachers, but more importantly, to assure believers of their faith in the human Jesus as the divine Christ. Why is stressing the need for us to live a life of obedience that expresses genuine love? The word of God in 1 John chapter 3, verses 11 to 18 and 23 reads, This is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates his brother or sister is a murderer. You know that no murder has eternal life residing in him. This is how we know that what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. And this is his command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. This is the word of God. So this church community John was writing to, they had already been exposed to the gospel. But they needed to discern between those who really knew God and those who didn't. And to help them and us, John presents signs Evidence that point to those who truly know God while giving us examples of how these people and us should behave. And one of the signs found on those who know God is the obedience to God's command to love one another. A love that is to be expressed not only in words, but with actions and in truth. And here, verses 11 and 23, reminds us of God's command to love and to keep loving one another, with the Greek verb here presenting an ongoing action. And this old command from the book of Leviticus 
is reinforced several times throughout John's letters, as he sees love, the practice of love, as a sign of one's true fellowship with God and with God's children. On the other hand, lack of love for others is evidence of those who do not know God. So we, before we look into the examples of love in action of this passage, we should first understand that the practice of love is only possible if one knows God intimately. Because as John shows us, knowing God and loving God and one another, they go together, they can't be separated. Pastor Peter told us a few weeks ago, to know is to love. 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 and 8 reads, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. No one can love without knowing God. God is love. Meaning here, that love is an essential attribute of God. And love originates from God. He's the source of love. From all eternity, God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit have lived in perfect loving communion. And God is inviting us into this relationship so we can know by experience this love. In fact, the word to know here in Greek, gnosko, it's not talking about knowing God in an intellectual, in an academic way, although it can be also important. But here, this verb implies to know God through personal experience, through having a relationship with him. And in verse 7, Gnosko is presented also in a continuous action, which makes love relate to an ongoing awareness of who God is. It means how well we know God and how well we know his love relationally. For instance, it's like when I first met my husband. Even if I had fallen in love with him at first sight, which I didn't, I know. <laughs> Sorry, love. I only came to know him and to really love him through having a relationship with him. So as time passed, as I came to know him more, I came to know his love for me more. Then my love for him grew, and it's growing until this day. Therefore, when we enter in this relationship with God, when we experience and know God and his love for ourselves, that's when we are able to begin to express love. 1 John 4.19 tells us, we love because he first loved us. But those false teachers John was referring to, they claimed to know and to belong to God. In fact, other beliefs outside Christianity today also claim to know God, and some even doing, through, uh, doing good deeds. However, they deny Jesus as the Messiah. You see, the same way we cannot love without knowing God, we cannot know God without believing in Jesus Christ. There is only one way to know God and to know his love. Jesus is the way. To know God, to believe in Christ, and to love, they are connected. You cannot have one without the other. So as we read, 
In the first part of verse 23, it says, This is God's command, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. That is, that we entrust ourselves completely to Jesus, that we put our trust, our faith on who he is and what he has done. And God wants us to come to faith to Jesus Christ. Why? He wants us to have a relationship with him. He wants to share his love with us so we can then share with others. In fact, and like John likes to do, let's look at the evidence. We can ask ourselves today, before we knew Christ as our Lord and Savior, do we truly love our neighbor? Do we truly love our brothers and sisters? Do we love the church? Did we care for the church? No. And not because we did not know what God's definition of love was, but because we did not know God through Christ. We had not yet experienced God's love for us and in us. But after we give our lives to Christ and receive him by grace through faith, as Romans 5.5 tells us, his love is poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been giving to us. That's when we experience genuine love. 1 John chapter 5, verses 1 and 2 reads, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. Behold the love of the Father, how precious is what the Father has given us. And to have received and believed that we have been given the spirit of adoption and now can enter in this eternal loving relationship with God is such an amazing and humbling realization of how great and wonderful God and his love is for us. And that's when love for the Father is implicit and then we are able to obey God's command to love. And the more we grow closer, the more we know God through Christ in this intimate relationship, the more we experience his love, and the more we are led by the Spirit to change our behavior, to change our ways of living, to becoming more like him who is love. Okay. So we found out where love originates from, how we can experience genuine love, and that knowing God through Christ will bring change to our lives. But what does it mean to live in light of this love that was made known to us by Christ? What does it look like when God's love is put into action? John gives us these examples on the verses we read, which I like to call them the do's and the don'ts of love and action. The first example describes the don'ts. It describes how we should not act with the biblical example of Cain. It tells us not to be like him who allowed jealousy to become hatred towards his righteous and obedient brother that led him to commit murder, the first murder in human history. Likewise, if one has his heart away from God like Cain did, their actions will not represent God's actions. How can they? How can they be willing to obey God? How can they love if their hearts are away from God? And as Cain hated his righteous brother, 
Similarly, the world will also hate the God's, God's children. You see, they don't understand the things of God. How can they? They do not know God through faith in Jesus Christ. Like Jesus tells us in John 15, verse 18, the world hates you. Keep in mind that he hated me first. But I also see this example as a warning for ourselves. Relationships are hard, either with our family, our co-workers, and yes, in the church with our brothers and sisters. So we must avoid letting jealousy, anger, bitterness, or lack of forgiveness become hatred in our hearts. We must prevent those feelings to consume us and to become a hindrance for us to be abiding in the love of God. Instead, we need to constantly turn to Christ in faith and repentance, drawing near to him and laying all of those feelings at his feet. Christ is the one who can deliver us from all of this. Well, we saw the don'ts. How about the do's? How can we define, how can we describe love in action? First, we must know that the biblical meaning, the biblical description of love is completely different than the, the, what the world teaches us. In fact, in Greek, there are a few words to describe love. Phileo, for instance, it's a type of love which conveys a friendly sentiment. Eros is the word used for a passionate type of love. And the one we're talking about today is agape. Paul defines for us agape in 1 Corinthians 13, and I'm reading just a few verses today. He says, Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not, it does not boast. It's not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. You see, agape is much more than any type of love described in any love story we might hear in this world. Rather, agape is a free, unconditional, selfless, sacrificial type of love which is used in the context of a Christ-like love. Agape transcends anything that we can humanly comprehend or achieve on our own strength. That's because agape is a divine gift. It is an amazing and gracious gift that comes from the dwelling of the Holy Spirit, given by God's love for us through Christ. And to place agape into action, we have to understand that, contrary to the word's definition of love, of self-love, Agape is way more than just a feeling. Rather, it's a lifestyle filled with actions that are defined by the cross. And that's what John is telling us here. He gives us the example of Jesus Christ himself to define genuine love. While Cain showed hatred towards his brother that led him to commit murder, Jesus' love for us led to his murder for our sake. Sacrifice is love in action. 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 and 10 tells us, This is how God showed his love amongst us. He sent his own and only Son into the world that we might live through him. 
This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loves us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. We were spiritually dead. In Paul's words, we were God's enemies. But the good news here is that despite of our sin, God still loved us and sent his son, Jesus Christ, to be sacrificed for our sins. He died on the cross for us so that we can be forgiven, so we can be reconciled, we can be made right with God. This is how God has revealed his great love for us in Jesus. At the cross, we find his perfect love. An unconditional, sacrificial type of love that longs to forgive, to transform, and that it will carry us to eternal life. Amen? And as Christ laid down his life for us, we ought to do the same for others. We should be imitating Christ. Verse 16, as we read, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. This is how a child of God should act. We should be imitating Jesus, who is the true expression of love. Jesus also tells us in John 15, Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Any parent here, could probably agree with me when I say that we would give our lives in exchange for our children's lives if we needed. In fact, when Isabella, my daughter, was born, she was rushed to the intensive care where she barely survived. And I remember vividly when I was crying out to the Lord, asking him to take that away for her and to give it to me instead. I was ready to suffer and even to die in her place if it was necessary. And this laying down of our lives does not only mean dying for someone literally, but it also includes a laying down of our self-interests, of our own needs and desires to help others in needs by bearing one another's burdens, by caring for each other in love. You see, living out God's love in us, it takes action. It does something to seize the need of a brother or sister, another, despite of our own needs and desires. Even towards those who hurt us, or those we might find a little bit hard to love on our own. Sacrifice is love in action. Theologian Constantine Campbell states, Genuine love takes action in caring and providing for those in need, and it's powered by God's love in us, as modeled by Jesus. That's why we must know God and his love deep down in our hearts. Because when we know the depth of God's sacrifice for us in the cross, it makes it easier for us to set aside any desires, our own desires and needs, or any indifferences that we might have with, a, with someone else, and it starts seeing them as God sees them, with his love. And yes, it is a lifelong struggle, and a constant struggle against our own selfish nature. But through experiencing the powerful love of God who is in us, we are moved so deeply 
that it spills over through our relationship with others. This is how the people around us, our family, our community, everyone can see the life-changing love of God with actions and in truth. As Jesus tells us in John 13, 35, from the message version, this is how everyone will recognize that you are my disciples when they see the love you have for each other. Sacrifice is love in action. I have to say that in the past year or so, my family and I feel blessed to be part of the Kubi Saturday gatherings, where we have witnessed so many times God's love in action. And I'm not just talking about the many food packages or donations of any kind. We have been witnessing people helping a brother or sister in need with their time, with their giftings, either through prayer, discipleship, personal visits, helping someone to move houses, helping to clean the gardens, or just by being a good listener. It's so humbling to see our brothers and sisters letting aside their self-interests and making this church a safe place for the broken and the needy that we all are. A church that despite of its imperfections, seeks God first and then seeks to care for others without judgment, without unforgiveness, but with genuine love, with God's love. So praise God for his love and his grace in this place. But let this don't stop us to continue to humbly pursue God and his love. Let's make this motivate us, actually, to seek God wholeheartedly more and more, asking him to fill us constantly with his love as to overflow to those around us. And all for his glory and his glory only. Amen? Come to an end. It's important to point out that there is an aspect of this message that we can't apply it without experiencing for ourselves. It's like looking at a glass of a cold drink in a hot day, like this one. Others may try to describe to you the kind of refreshment that that drink can provide. But until you try it for yourselves, you will not know it. And when you try, when you experience that kind of refreshment, you want to keep going back at it. So like with this drink, I challenge all of us here today to experience God's love for ourselves, to experience it afresh or for the first time. Let's not wait any longer. Let's come before Christ in repentance and in faith. Invite him into our hearts and experience the powerful, wonderful love of God. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you that you are love and that you love us unconditionally and sacrificially, Lord. Lord, we want to know you more and to experience your powerful love afresh today. So we pray that through your spirit, will you remind us and awake us to the reality of what it is to be loved by you, that you send your son, Jesus Christ, to die for us, Lord. And if there is anyone here now, Lord, Lord, that has not yet put their faith in your Son, Jesus Christ, 
Lord, would you please touch them? Would you touch them with your love? Would you move hearts, Lord, we pray. Lord, would you also show us if there is anything preventing us from now experiencing your love? Would you forgive us? Forgive us for being jealous, for being angry, for not forgiving others, Lord. Lord, would you cause us to be more loving and to be willing to lay down our lives for our others, Lord. Help us not just to love with empty words, but with actions and in truth. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this podcast brought to you from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. Our prayer is that what was said today inspires you and strengthens you in your faith. If you would like to talk to someone about what you've heard today, you can contact the team during office hours on the number you can find on our website at mounties.org.au. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to having your company again soon. God bless.